all. This evening, we're going to start out in Ephesians uh, chapter 4, verses 31 and 32. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. And while you're getting there, uh, I want to let you know we are, we are going to uh, be talking about forgiveness. How many know that that's a very important part of our life? And whether you're a believer or a non-believer, if you're stuck in unforgiveness, it could be very detrimental to not only your spiritual walk, but your, your health too, your overall health and your overall joy in life. And so we want to get past unforgiveness. You know, have you ever noticed that people that are in unforgiveness, a lot of times, you know, that's going on for a long time, it doesn't matter how good a day they're having. If you mention the person's name that, that uh, they're having trouble forgiving, it sort of just ruins their day. It's like they can't move past it. And so we don't want to be a, a stick in the mud. We want to be flowing with the currents of God's grace. And uh, not to belittle, though, and not to take it, not to take it, we do take it serious if someone's struggling with unforgiveness. There, there are some people that have been hurt real bad in life, and we, we, uh, we respect that. But you know what? You can either make it bitter or better. And, you know, I believe God wants us to make it better. I believe he wants us to come through it and get stronger and uh, overcome all these things. So Ephesians 4.31, it says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. And so these are the things that we're to get out of our life. And, of course, these things spring from unforgiveness. Amen? And so... But, you know, I noticed when I was reading this that harsh words, it says harsh words. You know, a harsh word can be um, said with a smile. I think they call that passive aggressiveness or something, you know. It could be said between two friends talking about someone else. Amen. And so we're not to have that. The Bible says get rid of it. Get it out of your life. And, and sometimes it can be tempting to, to say things that aren't nice or kind, but um, you can get, you can work on it. You can ask the Holy Spirit to put a guard over your your mouth, right? And if you go to say something something wrong, you can ask for Him to put a check in your spirit. Look at Ephesians four thirty two. Says, "Be kind to each other, tender hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ Jesus has forgiven you." Aren't you glad you're forgiven? Aren't you, you glad that all of your sins have been thrown into the sea of forgetfulness, right? And now, as a born-again believer, you, you don't have a sinful nature or a natural nature in your spirit. You have, a, you have the Spirit of God in you. And so God doesn't even deal with you according to sins and iniquities. He deals with you with love and kindness and grace. And so when we fall, or when we falter, because we will, we're only human beings. We're human beings, but we have the Spirit of God in us but we're also emotional beings. But when we stumble or when we fall, we know that, hey, that's part of life, and, and, and we go to the throne of grace, the Bible says, to get help and mercy in our time of need. Nothing will ever separate us from the love of God. And, and so, But it's important for a Christian to have forgiveness towards others. Think about, think about it this way. Forgiveness is how God started his relationship with you. It all started with forgiveness, didn't it? Forgiveness is God's way of starting over. It's how God started over with you. It's wonderful to have that peace of our heart, peace in our heart. Amen? 
God's never going to say somewhere down the line, do you remember what you did before? People do that. God will never do that because he's serious about giving us a fresh start. Let's look at uh, Matthew 18, 21. Matthew 18, 21. You know, I think in my 20-something years as a pastor, one of the hardest things that I've seen are people who walk in unforgiveness or bitterness and somehow, I'm talking about believers, somehow they justify it in their own mind. They, they've come up to some reasoning that the Bible says is contrary to the Word of God, and they justify behavior that, that would be unkind and, and have bitterness and, and uh, because of, of some feeling or emotions. It's never justified to, to, hold, to be in unforgiveness. The, in the Greek, the New Testament's written in the Greek, that word forgiveness, part of that meaning means to be released. And so when you forgive someone, you are being released from that pain and that hurt and that attack of the enemy on, on your well-being. Does that make sense? You are, in a sense, for, uh, freeing that person and just, just, just say, you know what, Lord, I put them in your hands. But the important part of forgiveness is taking that off of you. Because if you stay in unforgiveness too long, like I said, it'll, be, it'll cause bitterness. And if you're bitter, you can't be happy. Uh, what's my saying? Did you ever see someone say, there goes that happy, bitter person? Nope, it's one or the other. I want to be the happy person. Now, if you decide to, to walk in forgiveness, it doesn't mean that you're going to feel like forgiving. Forgiveness isn't, isn't an emotion, it's, it's a decision. It's an act of obedience to ask God to help you overcome that and not hold that against that person. And so look at Matthew 18, 21. It says, then Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Now, when Peter comes to Jesus and asks him this question, right off the bat, he's trying to put a limit on forgiveness. He's trying to put a cap on it. Is he not? If, if, he, if is seven times good enough? And Jesus is like, no, you don't, you don't quite have it down pat yet. How about seven times 70 a day? In other words, you are always a person of forgiveness. You're all, no, no questions asked. When you wake up in the morning, if you have trouble with that, you can look yourself in the mirror and say, I am a forgiver. That's what I do. There's no limits on that. And, and uh, that'll get you, get you down the road spiritually and keep you healed up in your emotions. And so forgiveness, as I said, is not a feeling. Think of, think of it this way. Forgiveness is a decision. Now, we're talking about what the Word of God says, right? We're being obedient to the Word. Does, does the Word say forgive? And so it's, it's, not, it, it's not so much a feeling in fact, think of it this way. If you wait till you feel like forgiving someone, you might not ever forgive them, right? You forgive them because God said to. And then you forgive them because Jesus forgave you, right? He left you off the hook. Now, I understand that some forgiveness takes a supernatural intervention if you've been wounded. God has made provisions for that. Jesus did. What did Jesus say to do? For those people, do about those people that have hurt you and, and abused you or, or been so unkind. What did he say to do? He said, pray for them. 
Amen. Pray for them and try to do um, good towards them. Sometimes the only good that you can do for someone like that is not to talk about them anymore. Maybe you don't need to be around them anymore in life, and that's fine. For some people, you're not, it's just not good for you to be around. But you can do good to them by, by not, not um, bringing up the past. Amen? But when you pray for them, it supernaturally activates your spirit. The love of God's in you. The Bible says the love of God's been shed abroad in your heart already. Something supernatural gets in your spirit and grows in you, and it's a love that, that enables you to push out all that hard feelings and all that grief. It's the same love that sent Jesus to the cross. Think about that love. It's that same love. And so forgiveness, like I said, it's not so much of a feeling. I've had people, you know, recently, in the last several years or so, I didn't feel like forgiving them. Did not feel like it. And they're, they're not offering any forgiveness up here either. Whatever, for whatever reason, or trying to make amends. But you know what? I make a decision, I forgive. Amen? I don't have to be proven right. I don't have to be justified in anybody's eyes. As long as I'm right with God, that's all that matters. And so I put them in the hands of the Lord, whoever it may be, and I make a decision. I don't have a right not to forgive someone when I'm living in this forgiveness of God right now. Do you realize what God did for me? He wrote my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. He gave me a new spirit. I'm born again in the spirit. He, he, he gave me a, an eternal home with Jesus in heaven. He's forgiven me of all my sins. And so certainly I can forgive others. And remember this about people too. Hurting people hurt others. But I have seen it in my own life and I have seen it in the life of others that when people have hurt them, they have made a decision to do what Jesus said, pray for them. Just pray for them as much as you can every day. Just pray it might be hard at first, but you'll pray a little bit more and a little bit more. Eventually, like I said, that, that, that uh, the Spirit of God in you and the love of God in you will rise up in you. And then when you look at that person one day, you'll feel no hate towards them. In fact, a lot of times what you feel is pity and sorrow and even love. That's how powerful the love of God is in you. But you've got to break that barrier by just making the decision, I'm going to forgive. I'm, go I'm not going to be a stick in the mud. I'm not going to be a bitter person. I'm going to let it go. When you do that, you'll see the power of God working in your life. And so look at Mark 11, 24. And these are the words of Jesus also. Mark 11, 24 and 25. You know, you know one of the true ways that you can tell if you've really forgiven someone? Really? Is if you're if you're still talking about it. Probably haven't. Unless you're explaining something. You know, I mean it doesn't necessarily mean that, but but if you're talking about it in a negative way, hurtful way to get back at them, you probably haven't forgiven. Well, you definitely haven't haven't because love covers with silence. Remember when we said Jesus said do good for them? But how are you going to do good for someone that's really been terrible and, and they don't really want nothing to do with you and you're not good to be around them? The good you can do, like I said, just don't talk about them. Just don't slander them. Just don't use harsh words against them. That, that will um, be sufficient. That will be sufficient. So Mark eleven twenty four, Jesus said, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you 
will have them. But verse 25, there's an and there. Now, when this, these letters were originally written, or the New Testament was written in the Old Testament, they didn't write them by chapter and books and numbers. A man did that to put the, the breaks in there. So just forget that 25 because people will read verse 24 and never go to the next one. It's like they cut Jesus off in mid-sentence. Because he's saying, for whatever you believe that you receive them and you'll have them, and well, they just go on to something else. No, and is, a, is what's that word, a conjunction? Pretty good, huh? Chambersburg education. <laughs> you know, it, it's connecting. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. That our, that our Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. Or you can say, because the Father in heaven has also forgiven you, right? That's the mindset. And so Jesus wanted to impress on our hearts when he said this, that we cannot have our prayers answered and hold grudges in our heart at the same time. Do you believe that? We cannot have our prayers answered and hold grudges in our heart at the same time. We ought to memorize that and write that down. You cannot have your prayers answered and have grudges in your heart at the same time. Oh, you know what the scriptures say and you feel good about the certain situation, but faith and love and forgiveness and all comes from the same place. It comes from the heart of the believer, right? That's where everything gets made <laughs> by the Spirit of God. And so unforgiveness, look at it this way, unforgiveness would be like, putting a kink in the garden hose and cutting off the power flow. We don't want to do that. You know how well that works, right? You can, you can stop the flow by putting a kink in the hose. And we don't want that in our life. And like I said, you know, this is a message to encourage you not to condemn anybody if they're having issues with that. It's to encourage you that you can overcome it. You can overcome. I know uh, sometimes people, when, when I used to do tree work, I met a lot of different people and sometimes I meet people that they, they talk about family members that they haven't spoken to in 40 years. And then they're trying to tell me about it, and they don't even remember what the argument was. Now, you may have people that might not want to talk to you for 40 years. I'm not saying that. But you, you should be willing to talk to them, right? You should be willing, and whenever possible, you can extend the olive branch to them and try to make amends. If you do that, you're okay. Amen? You're okay in your heart if, if you do that. And so if you've been praying for something and you just can't seem to get the answer, check your heart for unforgiveness. Ask the Holy Spirit to bring any grudges there to light that might be. Brother Hagen was, was uh, talking one day about a, a woman who came to him one of his meetings, and she said, why is it when my family gets sick, they usually end up dying? And my husband's family, when they get sick, they, they usually get better. And, and uh, he said, well, tell me about your, your family. Are they forgivers? And, and uh, she said, no. She said, they're good church-going people. And, but if you cross them, if you do something that they don't like, they will be unforgiving. They'll hold it. Anybody know anybody like that? They're, they're decent people. Just don't cross them. And... and and uh, he said, well, what about your husband's family? And she said, well, they're 
the type of people that will stick their foot in their mouth. And they're, they can be offensive. And, but I, she said, but I'll tell you one thing about them. They're forgivers. If they make a mistake, they'll, they'll ask for forgiveness. They'll, they'll, they'll be okay with it. He said, well, there's your answer. There's your answer. We cannot get any of the promises of God if we are holding on to unforgiveness. Now, I didn't say you couldn't get any of the promises of God if you, if you, if you are struggling with unforgiveness. But tonight, if you have an issue with that, you've got to give it over to the Lord and say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to pray for these people because you said to, and you're going to help me and give me the ability to overcome that. He will. Then you're safe. You know why? Because you're doing what the Word says. You're doing exactly what the Word says. And when you do what the Word says, you activate the anointing and the power to get it done in your life. It's just that important, isn't it? And so we're not going to turn there, but uh, Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. The Amplified Bible says, Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. So whose responsibility is it to guard your heart? You. Your heart. I guard my own heart. Right? You can't say, Pastor John, guard my heart for me. Nope, I got my own heart to deal with. Your heart is your spirit being, right? Your inner being, the part of you that God connects with. You got to be on guard against that. And so when these things of Satan, like unforgiveness and bitterness or whatever he's trying to put in that heart, you got to put a stop to it. You got to be, be the one that enforces the, the things of God in your heart. You have a lot of power if you can do that. And you can because Jesus said you could. Now look at Galatians uh, 5, 6. I'm going to read the Amplified Bible. You know, the devil will try to trip you up all along the way if, if you let him. How many chances do you have in a life to walk in forgiveness? A lot, right? Because there's a lot of offensive people out there. And so it's something that you can put into practice. I remember when I went to Ramah and I was an usher and I was just starting out. And uh, um, I've told this story before, but they were having a winter Bible seminar, which I just had here this last week. And as an usher, my job was to change all the envelopes out, offering envelopes, and put all new ones out. There's like, there like 2,500 seats in there. And so me and about four or five other ushers. And so I was hurrying one night on a Wednesday night because I had the kids to pick up at, at, at the children's uh, church. And... Um, so we're hurrying along, but this one guy was standing over here like this. He was an usher. He wasn't nobody special. He was an usher like the rest of us. Wasn't doing a thing. Now, where I come from, everybody pitches in. It's very offensive for someone to stand there and watch everybody do the work. That's not the way I grew up. And so, But I was leaving him alone. I was okay, whatever, until he said something. And so I, when I thought we were done, I started running towards the usher room to get rid of my jacket. And he said, hey, John. You missed the section. I'm like, yeah, well, maybe you ought to get it since you didn't do anything. That's what I said. And I just kept on going about my merry way. I felt good for about 10 seconds, and then it hit me. It hit me that, that, that I spoke to him that way. Why? Did he deserve it? Probably. But God did not send me to Ramah to get in a tussle with an usher. Or Carfunkel, whatever they call it. Like Judge Judy says, Carfunkel, whatever. <laughs> you know, to get in these, these arguments. Carfunkel, whatever. 
I better stop saying that because it sounds like other words. <laughs> so, so, so he didn't send me there to get in a, in a battle, did he? And, and so I'm driving home, and it's my heart's convicting me. And look, guess who's in front of me driving the whole way? This, this usher. I've never seen him before going home. I had to follow him the whole way out Kenosha Avenue until he pulled off into a Sonic, and I went home. And I said, Lord, you know what? I'm going to apologize to him as soon as I see him because I'm not letting that stuff in my heart. It, it, this is too important to me. You took a single parent with four children all the way across the country and blessed me to be able to go to the best Bible college, in my opinion, and the whole world gave me a brand new start in life. I'm not going to act like that. He was a knucklehead. I'll give him that. But I wasn't going to act like it. I was going to love him because God loved me. And I went to him the next time I'd seen him, and I apologized to him. And, and he said, well, thank you for that. And he ended up being one of my best friends. And so we got to guard our heart. I had to guard my heart many times at Ramah. Even in, the, you know, even in the middle of the Bible school, we're getting nothing but word and prayer and school. There's always opportunities. That means we should be an expert at it, right? If you do something over and over and over and over again, you should be an expert at guarding your heart. You should say, well, that's an easy one. I'm not, I'm not taking that offense. You know, I have a saying that says, you don't have to attend every argument that you're invited to attend. You can say, I respectfully decline that. I'm not going to go there with you. When Brian Wills was here, he said something in one service that really registered in me. I caught it. I don't know how many other people did, but he said back when they were wearing, when we were wearing the mask a lot. Some people liked the mask, some people didn't. There's big to do about it, but... You could go into some of these stores, and if you didn't have a mask on, there could be some people get angry with you and, and try to um, do a citizen's arrest on you or something. And uh, Brian Wills was in a Walmart, and he didn't have his mask on, and this lady came over to him, and she was like mean about his mask. And, and he said, okay, I'll get my mask. I'll get my mask. And she kept, she kept on him. And finally, he turned around and said, he said, he said lady, you're not going to offend me. You're not going to do it. I'm not going to get offended by you. And then she stopped. We have to have that same mindset. Why did Brian say, you're not going to offend me? He's laying hands on the sick. And you can't lay hands on the sick with the offended heart. And so he was guarding his heart because that was more to him than anything else, his relationship with the Father. But look at Galatians 5, 6. Amplified. It says, for if we are in Christ... Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. And what that means is the Jews were circumcised and we Gentiles are uncircumcised, uh, according to the scriptures here. So, so you can say whether you're a Jew or a non-Jew, when it comes to believing, it does, the only thing that matters is this. But only faith activated and expressed and working through love. That's the only thing that matters. That's the only thing that works. Faith works, faith works by love. So whenever you are believing God for something, you check yourself and say, okay, is my faith activated? Is it expressed? And is it working through God's love? You know what that means? Is it working through God's love for me and my love for God? And then out of that, I love others. That's how faith works. You can say it this way. Ways. If faith is a shiny new car, love is the gas that makes it go. 
Amen? We just don't get our prayers answered because we know some scriptures. We get our prayers answered because we, we, we walk in love. Those two are so interly connected. And so, if we don't forgive, we won't have the kind of love that's needed to support faith. How many know that Jesus lived a lifestyle of love from start to end, the whole way through? He loved the Father first, but then through that love, he loved others. And in Luke 23 and 34, you could turn there if you'd like to. Luke 23, 23:34. This is when Jesus is on the cross. Do you, do you know what Jesus went through? They, they whipped him 39 stripes, right? By his stripes we are healed. They put a crown of thorns on his head. They pulled out his beard. They spit in his face. They put him on a cross. They stuck a spear in his side. Nailed him to a cross. Through all of that, it says, Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. And so this evil, hurtful world did not change who Jesus was. That's the key right there. When people are mean and treat you, treat you in a bad way or unfair way, even at work or wherever, don't let them change who you are. Because if you do, they win. Don't be mean like they're mean. Don't talk behind their back like they talk behind your back. And people will see that. They will see that, that um, love in you. What did Jesus say would be the identifying factor of a world that would know his followers? What's the identifying factor? Love. Amen. Love for one another. You know a good place, uh, place to uh, practice love? It's in the church. Can anybody imagine ever, ever getting offended in the church? Has anybody ever been? You don't have to raise your hand. Been offended in the church? I have. It's a good place to get offended because you got people all different walks of life. You got different personalities. You got people that are offending people and they don't even know they're offending them. Ask me how I know because I'm the pastor. I'm in the middle of it all. And so, and so, but it, it's the it's the way of it's the perfect way to grow. If faith works by love, you got a you got free training right here in in the church, and and uh, sometimes. You know, like I said, even people in the church, if you make a decision, if you have a little bit of something going on with one of the people in the church, don't avoid them. Don't, don't uh, go the other way when they're shaking hands with people and you go the other way. You know why? People know when they're, they're being avoided. And that's hurtful. Right? So what do you do? You go up to them and, and you try to make amends or try to repair the fences. If it's too difficult... If it's too difficult for you and it's getting out of hand, then you go to the pastor and I'll help you do it or somebody in the church that's mature. But don't let that stuff go um, in your life because that person that you're having a problem with, no matter what they've done, guess what? God loves them as much as he loves you. Is that right? And so, and so when Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do, you might say, well, that's Jesus. He has a tremendous, he, he's, he's God. He, he can do that. But do you know what? You can too. 
Romans 5, 5 says the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart. You're one spirit with the Lord. You can love just like that. And I can prove it to you because Stephen did the same thing. Look at Acts chapter 7, verse 60. This is when they were stoning Stephen to death. They were literally killing him with stones. Acts 7, 60. You know, we look at what Jesus went through and what Stephen went through, and what are the little petty things that we get involved in? Can you imagine standing before the Lord one day and say, why didn't you forgive so-and-so? Well, I was at work and they, they stole my pencil sharpener. And I know they did it. They never lived up to it, but I know they did it. That's going to be pretty silly, isn't it? Amen. What about the rapture? When you're flying out of here and you might be flying next to the person that you're, you're, you have a problem with. It's going to be pretty embarrassing for all of us if you're arguing on the way up to the Lord. <laughs> right? It's going to be pretty embarrassing. I don't know if that would happen either. So um, why not make a decision right now? I'm a forgiver. I walk in love. Devil, you cannot offend me. I I'm honoring God. Acts of obedience, acts of love. By my own free will, because God did that for me. And so in Acts 7, uh, verse 60, it says, And he, Stephen, kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he said this, he fell asleep, or he died. And that scripture goes on to say that Stephen, as he was being killed as a martyr, he looked up into the heavens and he saw Jesus. And he said, I see the Son of God standing at the right hand of the Father. That verse always ministers to me because the Bible says Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. I believe that Jesus stood up for him. I believe when Stephen, well, Stephen got killed because he was preaching the gospel. And, and when he walked in love and he didn't let what was in them get in him, he did not leave this earth with his fist clenched cursing those people, did he? That's a man that guarded his heart. Do you think that he just got there at that moment, or do you think he made a practice of guarding his heart? I guarantee you he practiced it every day, every day. First he started with the small things, and then he conquered the small things, and then he mastered the big things. And when that time came, he left this earth as a hero. When he went into heaven, all of heaven, if Jesus was standing, all of heaven was, heaven was standing for him. He went in there as a martyr. You have to win martyrdom, right? And so look at it this way. If Jesus laid his life down for us, we ought to lay our life down for him. Amen? Now, many times believers, you know, they'll, they'll know what the word says, and then they get mad at themselves. If they have, if they have a thought comes that, that maybe they get upset at somebody or they, they have hard feelings, it's not the emotions or the feelings that are the problem. You're going to get them. Hope it didn't burst anybody's faith bubble. You know why you're going to get negative feelings and emotions? Because you're a human being. You're not a robot. You are a human being. You are a born-again spirit being, but you have a soul, which is your mind and your will and your emotions. That part of you is going to be affected in some way or another because that's just how it is. God wants you to be an emotional person. He wants you to have that part of you. So when these thoughts come, it's not the thoughts that are the problem or the feelings. 
how you respond is everything. Does the Bible say be angry and sin not? Amen. And so, but sometimes believers they get they get down on themselves. And so that's just a trick of the devil. If you're struggling in any of these areas that I talked about tonight, don't get down on yourself. Ask the Lord to help you. Ask the Lord to give you wisdom and strength to get through these things, and He will. Amen? Don't forget what the Bible says in Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. It says that Jesus sympathizes with our weakness and our distress and our frailties of our flesh. He sympathizes with us. How can He ever sympathize with us? Because He became a human being like us, right? Yet without sin. And so it says, go boldly to the throne of grace to find your help in the time of need because your high priest, Jesus, is at the right hand of the Father making a way for you to go to the Father. Everything God set up for us is all about going forward, never backwards. And you know what? You get better at these things. And, and you, get, you become a conqueror. You truly will know, the, the scripture that says, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. When I started out 20 years ago, over, a little over 20 years ago, I'm so much stronger now than when I started. Uh, I mean, I, I've been through the fire. I've been through the ups and downs. I've been through all kinds of attacks of the devil because the devil don't like pastors, especially spirit-filled pastors. And if you're a word of faith preacher too, you don't like that because you're telling people the truth. And, and many Many, many attacks, many trials, tests, and tribulations. Many times where um, pastors will go think, through things that nobody will even know about. It. But you know what? I serve God because he loved me first. Amen? And so I, I think about what God told Paul. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. When you're at your weakest, I'm at my strongest. Amen? Dad, our founding pastor, has done that. 45 years ago, he started this church, and he did it with nothing but love in his heart. He did not go to Bible school. He has an eighth grade education. But you don't need an education if you've got the Holy Spirit. I went to Raymond because I needed to go there just because God called me there. But, but most of, they didn't teach me too much new stuff there because I learned almost all of it here. I went to be developed in certain areas so I could be a good pastor. But Dad, I've seen him walk in love time and time again. He used to be one of the meanest, hardest guys out there. You can ask any of those old timers. He went from that to a soft, tender-hearted man that was loving and forgiving. And he never quit. He never quit on us. If he had quit back then, we wouldn't be here now. And a lot of times people, they'll, they'll want to quit. Don't quit. Anytime we get a pastor in here from another church or someone visiting or they tell, talk about a ministry, one thing he says is don't, don't quit. Don't quit. Amen? Because you've got to realize what you're doing everything for. Anyway, you're doing it for Jesus. In this church, we've got a lot of people doing a lot of things, but we're all serving Jesus Christ. And you know what? When, when you put that kind of love out there, put that kind of commitment out there to others, it, it brings you tremendous rewards. And, and I'll, leave, I'll leave you with this. Part of growing up spiritually is overcoming these things. When you first get born again, you get all of your getting in, in the getting. What I mean by that is when someone comes in here and they don't know much and they get born again, everything they're getting, all the blessings they're getting is being poured into them. Is it not? The church is pouring it in. The fellowship is pouring it in. The songs are pouring it in them. 
But then there comes a time when they start to grow up spiritually, they start getting little more, more and more of their getting in the giving. Amen? We've got to learn to be givers. We've got to learn to sacrifice and to, to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. If you don't, you'll be a carnal Christian. Amen? Nobody, you know who the meanest people are? Carnal Christians. Carnal Christian is someone that's more driven by the flesh and their own desires than the desires of God. They can be mean, especially when they're sitting in churches. They can be judgmental. They're the kind of people that will get mad if, if, if you sit in their seat. I've seen them, well, not so much in here, but I've seen people get mad that we have visitors come in and sit in their seat. And I'm like, well, they didn't know it was your seat. Find another one. Be happy they're here. Amen? You don't want to be that, that type of person. When Jesus healed the woman in the synagogue that was bowed over for 18 years, the Pharisees and the religious rulers got upset because he did it on the Sabbath. They weren't happy for a woman that got delivered. There's something wrong with that picture here, right? And so if you want to stay current in your church, you want to stay in, on, on, on the front edge of what God's doing, tie into it with prayer. Amen. Tie into it with prayer. Keep, us, keep praying for one another, and then God will do everything you need him to do in here. God never asks us to do something that we can't do. We can do these things. And as we do these things, he does things in our lives that we could never do in a million years, like forgive somebody that's hurt us real bad. Amen. That's all I have. Would you rise, please? Oh, wait. Yeah, let's do communion. Sorry. I knew that. No. <laughs> Okay, thank you. There's a reason why I left two minutes there. I knew there was a reason. So she got two minutes. Well, one minute now, but anyway. So the, the wafer, this is very important. Does everybody have communion or does everybody need communion? Because we can get that to you. Okay, yes. Where's this, where's this communion? Okay. Who all needs communion? Evelyn and these three. What's that? Did you go? Yeah, okay. The, I, got, I got it for these. I got them here. Yeah. I think these two. Anyone over here? Over here, too, Jim. Jim, do you? Now, communion. What did Jesus say about Communion. He said, as often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me. When did Jesus have the, the last supper of the Lord's Supper? The night that he was to be betrayed, right before he was going to go to the cross. And so when you take this wafer and you break it, Jesus said, this is his body that was broken for you. And so he doesn't want you to ever forget what he did for you because there's benefits in that. Amen. And so we can break and eat. And now the grape juice represents the blood of Jesus. You know, when, when John the Baptist saw Jesus and he was baptizing in, in the, in the uh, Jordan River, he, see, he looks at Jesus and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God 
who takes away the sins of the world. Amen? So you can drink the, the juice. Okay. Would you rise, please? And I'll pray over you. So, Father, we thank you for the body of your Son that was broken for us. We thank you, Lord, that by his stripes we are healed. I believe and I declare healing over everybody here, not only for their lives, but for their husbands and their wives and their children, Lord God. We thank you for that covenant that we have, and we believe you for that healing. And now, Lord, I thank you for the blood that was shed for us. I thank you that that was the sinless, spotless blood of Jesus Christ. And he has made us whole. He has cleansed us from all sin and all unrighteousness, Lord God. We, the Bible says we are a new creation. We are a new creation in the spirit created in Christ Jesus. So Father, I thank you that we are free and we are healed and we are delivered. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.